0: How much milk do I have to drink to be big enough to be quarterback?
1: Uh, Drink as much milk as your little belly can hold. With authority. Aloha.
0: Welcome to the most muscled podcast in various sports. Welcome to ABC Seven Sports with Authority. We are in the new With Authority studios. We are ready to rock. We got our faces right there. If you're on YouTube, and if you're not, you'll just have to take our word for it.
1: I'm Casey <laughs> Pratt. That is Larry Beal,
0: and we are Loopy off caffeine this time.
1: Well, you, Casey, got a vanilla <laughs> latte, and I could just smell the vanilla over here, and I'm just dying for. A jolt, but he didn't bring one for me, so nope. I'll just have to go au natural. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing. Is that the way that we want to start this? No, let's just say uh, we usually tape on Wednesdays, and today is Wednesday, and it happened to be the same day as the baseball trading deadline, so this this worked out very well for us, but guess where Madison Bumgarner ended up? Nowhere? <laughs> no, he's a, he's a, he's somewhere. He's, he's still a, with the Giants. He didn't go anywhere, but we he's, spent he's how many months talking about him being traded? <laughs> nothing happened. But we're gonna delve in, into the mind of Farhan Zaidi, who I will now dub Lord Zaidi because I think I think he cast a spell on some people. Are you ready for breakfast with the Pack Twelve? Yeah. Uh, nothing better than mimosas on the Palouse.
0: No. Actually, that sounds nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Plus, the cartoon that will make Casey cry. Are you going to cry on this podcast for the first... We talked about crying a few weeks ago.
0: We have. If I tell this story, I may actually cry. Really? I might. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's that... This is going to be a good story.
1: Okay. All right. And Leonard has a secret question, assuming he does not cry and or pass out, (laughs) since he said he was dizzy... Yes. I wish we could do the making of the podcast video because that's hysterical. That's that's far better than anything you're likely to hear the next 30 minutes. You know what minutes. would fix Leonard? <laughs> a vanilla latte. No, he needs to drink as much milk as his little tummy will hold. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, nobody understands that except Jim Harbaugh <laughs> and Casey and myself because. That's a Harbaugh that's quote. That's a Harbaugh <laughs> quote from several years ago that. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, we keep bringing back. Uh. Anyway, so let's talk trade deadline and what happened because I was waiting for this we had the countdown, and it was like, like Christmas morning. Like, I'm flipping back and forth between ESPN and the MLB network, and I'm just, oh, something big is going to go down. And instead of Christmas morning, this felt like Arbor Day. This was just like Or oh. Arby's
0: Day. Or Arby's Day. Oh, oh! Yeah, so! It could be Arby's Day. Boom!
1: You know, like, with free agency, which we just had in the NBA, you have all these megastars moving around, and I thought we were going to, Get maybe something like that with a few big names. It turns out that, you know, only Zach Grinky, But we just didn't get a lot of action instead, uh, unless Scooter Jeanette and Tanner Roark really does it for you. So apologies for all the time we spent talking on the last two podcasts and on TV for months about a Bumgarner trade. So in lieu of that, Lord Zaidi made a bunch of other moves that... Well, do we agree on this? Do we agree on what was done? Because basically they swapped out some bullpen pieces for some possible future assets.
0: Yeah, I think if you were to grade Farhan Zaidi's trade deadline, you have to give him an A+. Honestly. I mean, they get to now keep Mad Bum. They get to keep Will Smith. They get to stay in it. They don't drive the steak knife through the heart of the organization by ripping Bumgarner out of there. And all they gave up were a bunch of spare parts that you're not really going to miss. The, well, fact, that they, well, hold well. On. the fact that they got anything for guys like Pomerantz, Melanson. I mean, I think Dyson's okay. Melanson, yeah. they got the Braves to eat that contract. Well, that's,
1: that's why I say he hypnotized. incredible. Farhan hypnotized the Braves yes. into taking Melanson's deal, which was just... It was a disaster. Tremendous <laughs> Through very little fault of his own. Look, the guy was brought here to do a job. The, the, the whole fool's gold thing when the Giants when they really lost to the Cubs. The bullpen was terrible. Ah, we get a closer. Mark Melanson, he's been great. They gave him $15 million a year, and he was hurt from the jump the second he got it. Finally started pitching decently in the last, like, six weeks. In fact, he was pitching really well for a guy who only throws mid-80s. And he was a setup guy for them, and now he can go and he can be in a pennant race.
0: Yeah, I think for the Giants, obviously that wasn't Farhan's deal that he made, but he inherited it, and to unload it, what they did was they stayed competitive while building for the future, which is, I mean, as good as you could possibly do at the trade deadline if you're the Giants. Let's just
1: talk about, you know, who went, uh, who's coming. They traded Sam Dyson to the Twins uh, for three guys— uh, including an outfield prospect by the name of Jalen Davis, who's supposed to be able to really hit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. So he's an up and coming guy. Melanson to the Braves uh, for two guys you never heard of, but the big deal there is 18 million off the books going forward. That's. Like, you should not be able to do. Like, what were they doing in Atlanta? Going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'd love to have the 18 million on the books.
0: No, we talked about that when I got in, and you thought it was actually a mistake. You thought the Giants were I thought, sending I the, thought, the money.
1: I thought the Giants were sending Melanson <laughs> You're like, and that can't be right. Eighteen. No, I thought it made perfect sense to me. Who Who would eat that contract? The Braves,
0: apparently. And that's amazing that he was able to pull that. And, I mean, finish, go and finish, yeah. and then I'll, I'll I have a point I want to make on this. Drew
1: but. Pomerantz and Ray Black to Milwaukee in exchange for Mauricio Dubon, and Dubon is a versatile guy. He's 25 years old. Uh, he's another guy who's got some power, a A guy, and he's actually, he went to high school in Sacramento, yeah. originally from Honduras. Uh, that's And Scooter Jeanette, uh, cash considerations to, to Cincinnati in exchange for a, a player to be named later, and cash. And Scooter Jeanette is a guy who was an all-star, has been hurt, and has some pop, and we'll see. We don't know about Joe Panic's future. So they have some options at second base. The one guy that I – I mean, obviously, the bullpen had been set up nicely and has been doing great. You kept Will Smith. But I – this is my problem. When they saw – when they put Ray Black in the deal, I was like, oh. And not because Ray Black has been great, but just because Ray Black throws 99 or 100. Mm -hmm. And when I see a guy throw 99 – it's like you looking at an Instagram model. Oh. <laughs> I just, I fall in love. Like you looking <laughs> at a, I never do that. I fall in love when <laughs> I see 99 or 100, and that's that's why it took me a while to get over the Hunter Strickland thing. I became, I, I fell out of love very quickly with that. So now, but now every team has a guy that throws like 97, 98, It doesn't 99. mean you can locate the strike zone. No, but th- I don't even look at that. <laughs> I just, it's the same way I look at Instagram. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. No. no, this is terrible. But anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> they they were able to – they may miss Dyson. I think so. They may miss Melanson. No. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, it just shortens the guys. I mean, unless you, you have some prospects that you believe can jump in there. And we've seen some guys, but you don't know what the pressure does to people. It, it's one thing when you're coming in in a low leverage spot. The the bullpen was set up nice, and it had to be because the starting pitching has been so erratic. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Bruce Bochy is a master at manipulating uh, the pen. But give me your, your rundown, and then I have another analogy to make.
0: This is almost like when you listen to talk radio and an uninformed person calls in, and he's like, what if we just take all these spare parts that nobody wants and trade them for something we do want? Right. And it's always like, come on. Like, nobody wants... Melanson. Nobody wants Pomerance. And we'll Nobody package him. Nobody wants Dyson. We'll package
1: him for Bryce Harper.
0: Nobody wants Black. But what they did was literally took a whole bunch of spare parts that they don't even need, and they improved themselves for the future. I mean, honestly, like, what was Farhan's directive going in? Set up the team better for the future. Right. He managed to do that by almost trading the untradeable. Like, I didn't in my wildest dreams think. Any of those guys were gonna be people that were sought after on the trade market.
1: And that you could get quality prospects back yes, in return. Or financial
0: for, flexibility. Yeah. No. You did mean, all that.
1: Lord Zaidi hypnotized the Braves.
0: I mean honestly.
1: I, I still I, I wanna go back and look at the fine print on the deal. I still think <laughs> the Giants sent eighteen million dollars to the Braves instead of the Braves taking the eighteen million dollars back. But that's how good it reminds me of like and you just recently redid your home. You know what like extreme makeover is all about. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that, or he hasn't done it in this situation. He's like he goes in and he's like, Okay, we need to spruce up the kitchen. Let's not rip out the cabinets. Let's put some paint over here, mm-hmm. uh, okay? Let's change out some faucets. Let's take care of some landscaping. Maybe change the front door, okay? Like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. And suddenly, and then you, you look at the, the house and you go, whoa, what have you he done here? Yeah. If you look from the start, like on the last podcast, we talked about he remade the entire outfield with, again, more spare parts and cast-offs and misfits, He's Lord Zitey to you and me.
0: <laughs> it's like that show where everybody drives around and they, they look for, like, the old crusty stuff that's sitting out in the yard at all these ranches, and then they just kind of spruce it up, and then they resell it for a way more money than it's worth, all this restoration stuff. That's pretty much what he did. And obviously we'll get to Tanner Roark and Arby's and the A's because for the starting pitchers available that actually did get moved, I mean, Granky was obviously the prize, but yeah. Roark was probably the second best pitcher that was acquirable. I mean, Cindergard didn't go anywhere, Bumgard didn't go anywhere, Wheeler didn't go anywhere. Not a
1: bad move. It's okay. He's your fourth guy in the road. Well, who knows what the A's rotation is going to look like at the end of the season, but the funny thing and and I think you and I are in agreement on this because for years baseball had this waiver wire. Yeah transaction where you could go up until August 31st and sneak guys through waivers, and it was almost as if the teams didn't realize the rules had changed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking all day, because you cannot make deals after this deadline anymore, and that, to me, I thought was going to equal a lot more of a yeah. frenzied day, and it was tame. It was very tame.
1: There was not a lot happening. So it's I don't know what the mindset of a lot of these teams was, but... Pretty much all the good teams were like, hey, we don't see, there's nobody sneaking up on us. Nobody's making any gigantic transactions. I mean, the Astros, you have to say, when you get Grinke, yeah, and Grinky is, okay, he's older and he's big money, but you put him into their rotation mm-hmm. with, with Verlander and Cole, and suddenly you go, whoa, okay, yeah. that's a problem. That's going to be a problem. For anybody that has to it's going to be a problem for the A's trying to catch the Astros. I'm not even sure if that's realistic.
0: Yeah, the Astros loaded up. You have to love the Astros. You had to love them even before that deal. You look actually, though, I mean, the Dodgers didn't do anything really. The Red Sox and Yankees didn't do much. So I think the Astros may have just dramatically improved themselves. That doesn't bode well for the A's. But we've talked about this before, and it's the same sentiment the A's have. They have a lot of guys coming from within. Like they don't feel like they have to panic and make all these crazy moves and mortgage their future because, you know, Chris Davis could start hitting again, Stephen Piscotti's on his way back, Sean Minai's on his way back, you got A. J. Puck around the corner, you got Jesus Lazardo around the corner, you got Darrell Cotton starting rehab. So they could have a huge influx of players through no deal of their own. So
1: Do you think the injury to Ramon Laureano? changed the A's mindset going in because they have a surplus of outfielders suddenly when you lose one of your most dynamic pieces so you can't put Chad Pinder in a deal because you're going to need him mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned Piscotty's going to be coming back but it changes maybe how bold you want to be in going out to to make a deal for Thor to try to get that stud pitcher yeah. that the A's need and they
0: by all accounts wanted major league ready talent on the Mets right so you would have had to tap into that depth, and losing Loriano, who's been absolutely dynamic for the Oakland A's, does hurt their outfield depth, even with Piscotty coming back. I mean, you still have guys like, like Martini ready to go. He's coming up. You have Dustin Fowler, who we're still waiting to see what he ends up becoming. Um, but, yeah, that hurts their depth. Another thing that hurt them, too, is Sean Murphy, their stud-catching prospect, who they could really need right now, actually kind of tweaked his knee in his last game in A. He might have been up here any day now, otherwise, with the other injuries they have at the yeah, country. A's so, have
1: some banged-up catches, yeah, that's so for sure. Yeah, so
0: they have this huge influx and all this talent ready to go, but the injuries just keep burning them, and that Laureano injury is going to hurt.
1: Well, yeah, and you're not really sure how long he's going to be out. He's a so—I mean, he's such a dynamic player. I, I love watching him. He's, he's fantastic. I mean, for a little guy, he could really hit. He can really run. Mm-hmm. I mean, he makes great plays at the wall all the time, so— that is a significant loss going forward. Want to go back to, to Roark and Arby's? Yes. So Roark was
0: apparently sitting in an Arby's parking lot when he got the news. This is according to c Trent Rosecrans from the uh, – he covers the Reds. He's actually one of my favorite follows. He's kind of mm. like the Cincinnati Ray Ratto. He's, he's a funny dude. Oh, wow. Anyways, um, he said that Roark was in an Arby's parking lot. He had just ordered his beef and cheddar and fries – Curly when, Fries. When he got the news, yes. you got to go curly. Season yeah. curlies. Yeah. Um, and then Arby's actually replied that there aren't many Arby's in the Oakland area and that they hope he ate all of his beef and cheddar before heading to Oakland, which is a hilariously weird marketing opportunity.
1: There's got to be some Arby's around here somewhere. I, I mean, I think there should be.
0: But anyways. That's I funny. thought that you see all these Photoshop's. Of players when they get signed by new teams. Um, I thought I had to see Tanner Roark in an Arby's hat, the big weird cowboy hat with the A on it. And I put it on Twitter, and a lot of people actually replied with their own crude photoshops of Mm. Roark wearing his ridiculous Arby's hat. I thought that was great. So instead of beef and cheddar, Roark now gets green and gold. And I think that that was a pretty good pickup for them. It wasn't the electric wow pickup they needed. But when you have a potential Mania return, you got Fires in the rotation. Roark's a solid middle-of-the-rotation guy. In the past, he's been a ground ball pitcher. Um, He's been more of a fly ball pitcher lately, which actually helps when you're pitching in Oakland. You have to keep in mind, you look at his numbers with the Reds, I think pitching in a pitcher-friendly park like Oakland is going to help. So they do a very good job with reclamation projects, so to speak, in pitchers. I think Roark is far better than a reclamation project. They could tweak it and make it a little better.
1: Although, wouldn't you agree with me that heading into a playoff series, the A's don't have a starting pitcher that scares you?
0: Unless, and this is a major reach, but unless Sean Manaya can come back and regain any semblance of the form he had prior to injury, mm-hmm. I mean, he was your de facto ace. So, I mean, he did no-hit the Boston Red Sox, who are the best offensive team out there. So... I think that maybe you could have that. Otherwise, it's been Fires. And Fires has been fantastic lately. I mean, he has been very good for the A's. So I guess that's your ace. Maybe Maniah fits in. Roark comes in. You got more depth, at the very least.
1: Yeah. Funny thing. I'm, I'm getting... I think it's it's like one or two people. Because you're Mr. A's on Twitter. Yeah. You, you, you do a lot of A's tweeting. And I don't... Live tweet a lot of baseball games in the regular season, and so inevitably, when we've been doing all these Bumgarner conversations, uh, there's one person out there who's just killing me on Twitter because it's like this giant bias that you have. And today uh, on our four o'clock newscast, I did you know about a minute on Bumgarner and he's staying, and uh, th- then there was another person. I don't think it's the same person. who's like. Here we go again. It's just the media talking about the Giants when the A's are the far <laughs> superior team, and it's so it cracks me up just because it, it's such a lack of understanding of how the media works. Because it's in our best interest to cover two winning teams. Yes,
0: we want everybody to be good.
1: Uh, it's not like I sit at home rooting for <laughs> A's injuries. I, what? What are you I mean, saying in your I'm head? Just, what are you? I'm you're, gonna, ah. I just gonna say. Oh, because of our bet?
0: I we do have a bet. Yeah, no, there's that. We do have a bet with a lot on the line. If the Giants win 15 more games <laughs> than the A's, I have to eat two full feet of meatball sub. If the A's can pull 15 more ahead of the Giants, you eat it.
1: So yeah. there is that fact. But
0: that, that's but that's non that's not a professional we, bias. We don't see, that's I just mean, something we argue about. So all the
1: time. As I tried to explain to to one of these people on Facebook that sent me a message because I dared to talk about Bumgarner without talking about a corresponding A. Mm-hmm. The, the fact is that Madison Bumgarner is a local legend for what he did. I mean, forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever. And so that's different than Tanner Roark. So understand that it's not a bias. If, if the Giants traded Madison Bumgarner to the A's, I would be singing the A's praises. Oh, absolutely. All, I mean, yeah. what, whatever. Who, they got Grinkett, whatever. But, I mean, I could do a whole long conversation on why the A's get the coverage they do or do not get, and part of that stems from many years of ownership, asleep at the wheel. Not for this podcast, but I just wanted to make the point, there's no, like, come on. I I want them both. It's so much more fun when both teams are winning, and we can go to either park and see happy players who are pumped and thinking about October baseball instead of one team that's just, oh. No,
0: good and exciting is good for us. I can say that I sit next to him every single night, and we talk baseball every single night. There is absolutely no bias against the A's coming from Larry Beal. I promise you that. I would never let that happen. Never. On the other hand, you look at today— yeah. You look at what the biggest headline is. I obviously follow the A's very closely. I also follow the Giants closely. The headline was Bumgarner didn't yeah. get traded. You can't dispute yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. I think the A's picked up the best player of the bunch by far in Roark. Obviously, the Giants stood pat while kind of building. The A's got the biggest prize in the Bay Area scene. But the fact that Bumgarner didn't get traded was the main headline. So real quick, Giants, trade deadline, grade... Go.
1: I'm going to go B, maybe B+. Plus. And, and I don't know... I'm probably just gonna go B because we don't know what any of these prospects are gonna be. Actually, you know, I should say A, just getting rid of the eighteen million. Mm-hmm. I'm still I still think that maybe there's a bag of money going to Atlanta in this. No, but just getting rid of that is is, is yeah, no, B plus. Okay, B plus I just talked myself into it.
0: Yeah, I mean I would give the Giants an A because they oh, okay. stayed competitive and they built for the future. That's the I, same point I, d- I made earlier. I think that was is good. A trade deadline as you could possibly have based on the circumstances they were in Farhan did not feel the need to move Bumgarner or Will Smith because he didn't have pressure to do so because the team was actually competitive. So,
1: this is a perfect example of the grading system at San Ramon Valley High School, which is where you came <laughs> <Wow>. from. <laughs> because that's you're grading on a curve. If you're going to get an A, that means to me you made some transaction. You brought in a what? What do the Giants need? The Giants need so, a slugger in the outfield, right? That's they need power. They need they didn't get that. They didn't get well, I mean, pick. You know, on obviously, a curve Mike is, Trout is, is not not available. It. Hunter Pence <laughs> should have oh, uh, Hunter Pence. No, you know what I'm saying. That to yeah. me, that's an A where you get a stud yeah, okay. player who can help you, and then and then it's like, oh, the Giants are going to the playoffs, even though they're they're fighting for the second wild card. But that's grading why. on
0: a curve is the right analogy here because they did what they needed to do for their current situation. They didn't need to mortgage off more of their future to try to go for it in a year when they are still right, but that's middle not an a middle of the pack team. That's I think for what they, to do, it's what, what they needed GPA? to do. What was your GPA? What Oh, you I don't want to know GPA. I, Well, this is obvious <laughs> then. This, that's why you gave, gave them an A.
1: What do you give the A's then? I give the A's. Oh, don't tell me A. Don't no. tell me an A.
0: I think they get they get like a, in the B range, B, B-. minus. They didn't do anything to wow you. They added Homer Bailey earlier. They added Tanner Roark. I mean, these are parts that will fill the middle of the rotation. I don't think they did anything that really puts them over the top, and the Astros absolutely did. The Astros, okay, really okay, perfect example. The Astros really paid a heavy price for Greinke, and I think that's going to hurt them later. Well, but but four, they need to win it. Now. Four
1: prospects, you you give up four prospects with a chance enhancing your chance to win another World Series title. Yeah, that's what it's about. They went all in. It's not about finishing second to the Red Sox in the American League, no, or Yankees, whatever. No. All right, so we'll agree to disagree on on the grading there. You and I, I think.
0: Wait, what? Did you give the A's a grade? I did not. <laughs> I was because it's my Giants bias. <laughs> that's exactly what. That so happened.
1: I did not. Won't even grade the A's. I won't. Yes, I refuse to grade them. Jeez. No, I give them. a I give them a B. That's why
0: you got B. mad at me for saying the same grade.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> you gave them the same grade, just, and you got mad. No, I. It, you said B B minus. It's All fine. Right. It, okay. It's fine. I I thought you were going to give them an A because no. of your green and gold underwear. No, but no, that's, no, 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 no. Okay, you and I delight on just seeing the odd stories that pop, like the dumbest things that happen and people try to to pass them off. Like, I think for this year, to me, the dumbest story in sports was Major League Baseball floating the idea that the Tampa Bay Rays might play half of their games (laughs) in Montreal (laughs) next year and then we'll build a stadium there and we'll play half our games here and we'll build a a Tampa, we could do that. Like, to me, that was just so dumb to not even really consider. It's just not a feasible thing for... This next story is very close to that in the level of dumbness, although some people, Casey Pratt, think it's a good idea. So the latest is the Pac-12 is thinking about, for not this coming season, for the year after that, moving some kickoffs to 9 a.m. Pacific time. It's, it's mimosas on the palouse, everybody. We're going to tailgate at 4 a.m. To me, this is a Larry Scott, the commissioner, idea. And it's partly in response to (laughs) Pac-12 after dark, which is a disaster. Mm -hmm. And so now we're going to go Pac-12 at dawn.
0: (laughs) So let me just say that while I think Pac-12 at dawn is a good idea... I think it's a good idea when compared to Pac-12 After Dark. I think Pac-12 After Dark and 9 a.m. kickoffs <clears throat> excuse me, are both horrible ideas. Okay, all right. I think when you compare one to the other, though, if you had to pick one, give me the 9 a.m. kickoffs. Because what happens in the Pac-12 is you have games that start at 8.30 p.m., They drag on for four, four and a half hours.
1: Well, that's one problem.
0: And then nobody outside of the stadium, pretty much, is even watching. So you have guys that are Heisman contenders, legitimate players, great programs in some instances Mm -hmm. that get no love nationally, no recognition, and you see all these guys ending as runners-up in the Heisman because no one is watching these games. And so when you look at the Pac-12 after dark, moving it up to 9 a.m. means maybe more people will see it. If they don't sit through the whole game, they'll at least see all the highlights from the day before they go to bed. The games will at least be concluded before, like, midnight. And let's be honest, the ratings aren't there anyways, and the attendance isn't there anyways. So what do you have to lose?
1: More of your fans who are already (laughs) angry and upset with the commissioner... Who pays himself well the they the conference agreed to pay him like five million dollars a year, which is ridiculous. That's a we could do a whole other podcast just on that. You should
0: have Larry Scott on and just like do a trial I get like, powdered wigs. I, and- I, <laughs> I I I
1: I'm friendly with him, but I just think a lot of the decision making at the conference has been really poor, and this is a perfect example of that. Now, I'll say this his job when he took the job. The task was get more TV money for all the schools. Get more money. We want to be on a par with the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12. So he negotiated this TV deal, and they got more money. The flip side of that was ESPN and Fox and all these national broadcasters that need programming late night say, well... Here's the money, but also we want yeah. your game to start at seven o'clock or seven thirty. So on the East Coast, it's ten, it's ten thirty. You factor in the length of the games, and unless you're really a die-hard Wazoo fan, you know you're not staying up till two o'clock in the morning to watch the conclusion of a game.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing there's not a lot of die-hard Wazoo fans on the East Coast, right? I mean, so he but sold his soul for this he sold contract. Sold his soul. I love that. Sold he his sold soul. The Pac-12 out for that deal, and I just think. Either way, it sucks. I, I agree. Period. There,
1: nobody is going to a 9 a.m. game. No, but... Now, I know some harsh, of the... Another Harbaugh reference? Yeah. Nobody. nobody is going to a game. You can't... What are you going to tailgate at 6 o'clock in the morning? You're going to be unconscious. Well, you got a little kid, so maybe you're All up mean, at 6, 6 be o'clock. You'll be up. right there I'll in the parking up. lot yeah. with your... That's... It's just... Now, John Wilner who I'm a huge fan of John Wilner, mm. writes for the, the San Jose Mercury News. He, he covers the college beat. And he actually agreed and wrote a column about how this was – in fact, he he suggested it. Maybe Larry Scott took the idea from him. And so I'm conflicted because I really like John and his work, and he's got the stats of all the attendance figures. Basically, without diving too deeply into the numbers, and this is not you know rocket science – If you have a good team in the conference, you're going to draw well. Washington, good. They draw well. Oregon looks to be back. They're drawing well. Uh, Utah draws well. UCLA draws poorly because they're terrible. Uh, Cal has not drawn well because they've been terrible. Stanford, I don't even know that anybody cares. Uh, Interestingly, Justin Wilcox at Cal said he was for the 9 a.m. game. Uh, David Shaw, not. Hmm. Now, I thought it was funny. One of the things that John Wilner said was that, You know what? People might go to these games just for the novelty of a 9 a.m. kickoff. And so there's a guy on Twitter uh, who goes by the handle USC Psycho, and he tweeted a couple things that were pretty funny. Um, He wrote, same crappy product, but a few hours earlier. That's like saying... More people would go to a bad movie if it started at 9 a.m. because of the novelty factor. No. Not going to happen. So I don't think there's much novelty, and I know that I would never go to a game at 9 o'clock in the morning. But And here's the other side of the argument. The notion that more people are going to watch. They're not going to watch. If the teams are bad, they're not going to watch. When yeah. USC was in their heyday, and how they got there, we know, mm-hmm. but... People watched because it was SC, it was a glamour team, and they had Heisman Trophy winners, and they were like the closest thing to a pro team at the time in L.A. If you have bad football teams, you think if I'm an Alabama fan and I'm in Tuscaloosa, that I'm going to wake up on Saturday when I can watch Bama or Auburn or LSU or any or Ole Miss. I, you want to go down the whole conference? No. You think I'm going to turn on <laughs> Arizona versus Washington State. Why, why am I picking on Mike Leach? I, mean, I don't know.
0: Unless you have a lot of money on that game for well, some reason. Okay.
1: Do you <laughs> think no, you're not gonna I'm going to pass up makes no difference. a Michigan game or an Ohio State game? It's These people, they're going to watch the better teams play from conferences that they care about more. So, yeah, theoretically you might have more eyeballs. I mean, the games will be broadcast to them. That doesn't mean they're going to watch them.
0: No, especially if you can't even find the games.
1: You mean like on direct TV? Maybe. Yeah. I might
0: mean that. All right, we've got to keep it moving. Go. So every show, we tell a story. And this week, it is my turn to tell a story. I'm going to tell a quick story about an interview we did one time with a Stockton Ports player by the name of Michael Taylor. That's how I'll get into this. Okay. One of my favorite players ever. We met him... We put him on the spot, we asked him this ridiculous question. The question was, what was the last movie that made you cry? It's a question Leonard actually asked us a while ago. The answer he gave was Cloudy with the chance of meatballs, which I found hilarious because it's a cartoon. And then later I watched this episode of Futurama called Jurassic Bark and it just mortally destroyed my soul. I cannot watch this episode of Futurama without crying every time. My wife thinks it's hilarious. She makes me watch it whenever it's on, and she laughs at me hysterically. Um, basically, Fry has this dog named Seymour, and he finds the dog. He was kind of like frozen in time. Okay. And so after spending all this time trying to resurrect this dog, um, they realize due to showing <laughs> showing me a picture of it, They realized due to carbon testing that he could be resurrected, but he actually lived for like 12 years after Fry. So they're about to resurrect the dog. And then Fry at the last second pulls the plug and goes, no, he had a full life without me. You know, like he he moved on. And then they immediately cut to this montage of Seymour. And the last thing Fry told him was like, I'll be right back. Wait right here outside this pizza shop. They cut to this montage of Seymour for the whole rest of his life, waiting as the seasons change. He waited every single day for like 12 years for Fry to come back outside the pizza shop until he finally closes his eyes and the episode ends.
1: Is that when you cry? And that just
0: kills me inside. Uh, It
1: makes me sad.
0: It's really sad. So yeah, he was about to bring his beloved dog that waited his entire life to see him back to... And then he changed his mind, and then poor Seymour. You see him fading through all time and history without his owner.
1: Now I'm sad.
0: That episode, though, I looked it up. It was nominated for an Emmy. Mm. So I guess it's not the most abstract episode ever, but that episode destroys me. Every time I see it, I cannot handle it. And the reason I bring this up, this is a major swerve. Leonard, did you watch Stranger Things? Larry, did you watch Stranger no, Things? No, I, I, I did not. Larry did not watch Stranger Things. No, I did. I, I binged it actually all in one, uh, two days. So Stranger Things to me, I love it. I love like the whole 80s vibe, the time piece. The kids are awesome. I don't find it that scary like people do. But what I certainly didn't expect when I watched the last episode was the way it ended. No spoilers just brought me right back to Seymour the dog. So
1: you're crying again.
0: I bawled my freaking eyes out at the end of Stranger Things, and I was sitting there on the couch like, what just happened? Why am I crying at Stranger Things? It was the saddest, craziest reaction I've possibly ever had since Seymour the dog all these years ago. This episode of Futurama came out in 2002. It's been that long.
1: Leonard... Did you cry at the end of Stranger Things as well?
0: Uh, I cried throughout it, so I don't know what, what particular Goodness. thing well, you're, you're talking about. So. What am
1: I surrounded by Anyways, in this room? I've you're, never... You're surrounded by real men.
0: <laughs> real, real men that aren't afraid to share their emotions. I never cry at movies. Like I, don't, I can't think of one. But for some reason, Jurassic Bark gets me every time. And Stranger Things destroyed my soul. Like uh, I don't, I don't know what happened.
1: I'm gonna get you guys a couple. of I've never
0: cried so hard in my life.
1: Testosterone testing kits and see what's going <laughs> I on. I think with it you might two. be estrogen. <laughs> that's what that's going turn up. Uh, I think. Oh, do you have a question? Yeah, it's how the time are we for top that? Leonard's Leonard question. Anything.
0: Okay. So technically, it's not a question. It's something you and I talked about, Larry. Okay. Uh, I want you guys to give some pearls of wisdoms right now, wisdom right now. You guys got to come up with some
1: pearls of wisdom.
0: I'll tell you my pearl of wisdom. What,
1: what would he, um, pertaining About to what? My Anything. pearl of wisdom Anything. is
0: this: drink as much milk as your
1: little tummy can hold. <laughs> that is not even yours. <laughs> you stole that from Jim Harbaugh. Can't I you be original? It funny.
0: It's funny to me every time I hear it. I don't know why. So oh you you God.
1: just want you want me to give advice to the youth? To anybody? To anybody. Well, I what's
0: your s- advice for life?
1: I have a secret for this. Advice for life. Wow. You have the answer? Do you yet? want me to go? Yeah, please you? go first. Okay.
0: So here's my advice for life. First of all, I think you have to find self-confidence. You have to find something that tells you that if you're trying to do something and you put all your effort into it, and it doesn't work out. This could be every day in your job. It could be any show you're doing, any paper you're writing, any athletic performance you're doing. If you attempt to do this and it doesn't go according to plan, you have to believe deep down that literally nobody else was going to be able to do it any better. And you take it, you throw it away, and you move on to the next one. You do not dwell on it. You have to have the confidence that if I go into something and it sucks, then I know for sure no one else was going to do better anyways. Okay, I'm That's gonna, no stress life right I'm there. I'm going to
1: piggyback on yours, and I'm going to just pass on the one thing that I've told my kids over and over again. And that is whether it's tests or job interviews or whatever the task may be, mm-hmm. if you have given it 100% in terms of your preparation, if you've done everything possible to make it happen, then... The results are whatever they are, as long as you've. And if that's similar to what you're saying, the yeah. results are. Now I don't know whether somebody else could have done it better or not, because like Michelangelo could have painted better than I did, uh, even though if I tried really, really hard at my best. <laughs> I just
0: mean you in your position that yeah. you occupy. Okay.
1: Yeah, as long as you give the effort. Yeah. Then I'll live with it. And I used to tell him, if you, you know, if you're taking calculus and your best is a C, if you tried as hard as you could and you got to see that's fine okay i mean you couldn't get it you i mean you're just you, you couldn't do it i, it is what I it is. Yeah. yeah but the other uh, the corollary to that i guess would be is a john woodness i'm a big john wooden guy in fact my daughter used to get so tired of me talking about like john wooden <laughs> phrases and thing so i would say draw like plays like, on her no, door no 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 i would i would say so Nikki, this reminds me of something and she would go that she was she was younger and she would go Oh no, not the wood guy again. I <laughs> guess the wood guy. Oh, uh, no. And the
0: wood guy is a paddle. Yeah. No, I'm just
1: kidding. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So, whatever you're trying to do, take the time to get right and get ready. Because if you don't do that, you got a great chance of screwing up.
0: Yeah, and if you're a young person and you're struggling through high school per se, in the moment, that thing, that moment in high school, that day, that event that may or may not have embarrassed you, seems like it's the most important thing in the entire world. And later you will realize that that is such a tiny sliver of your life and it will be something you probably barely even remember later. Everyone will forget. You will forget. You will move on. It will get better for you. High school means nothing in the grand scheme of things.
1: Yeah, I would say college probably means nothing also. Um,
0: Again, that's four years of your life. That is such a tiny fraction of what you will actually end up being. No, no. That things will be different later on. And lastly, it will it will change for the better.
1: And enjoy college because enjoy it's the yourself. best four years that you're ever yeah. going to have. Once you join the workforce, buckle up.
0: Yes. Buckle up. It goes to crap fast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> words of, uh, and and and, I'm just and kidding. It gets better. And a reminder: drink as much milk as, as your you little dummies can hold. Can hold. That how is- do I don't even know that anybody wants to listen to more of our podcasts, But in the unlikely event that they do, how do they do it, Casey? Oh my
0: God, you have to drink your milk and then subscribe <laughs> to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Or watch us make complete idiots of ourselves on YouTube in our brand new studios. Yes, anytime. Subscribe, but most importantly, rate. Click the five stars. Click the subscribe buttons. Leave us a comment. We really need comments because then we can address them and maybe even make fun of you on the show.
1: And answer questions and someday do a giveaway.
0: Yes. Someday. Soon. Soon. Someday soon. We have a huge episode. Two huge episodes coming up, actually, with very huge guests in very crazy circumstances that will not be taped in this studio. Right. I can't tell you exactly what they are yet. They are booked, though, and it is going to be incredible.
1: All right. Before we say goodbye, drink all the milk your little tummy can hold. (laughs) Aloha. Drink as much milk as your little belly can hold. WITH AUTHORITY!